So I have always loved All Saints Sunday. Uh, First of all, perhaps not surprisingly, if you know me, because it signals the turn into the home stretch for the holidays, now that Halloween is before, uh, behind us, uh, it is entirely okay to listen to Christmas carols. <laughs> Baby Jesus says so. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> We're just two and a half weeks to go till Thanksgiving, uh, and then it's on to Advent and Christmas and a college football bowl season, which, you know, for many of us is a holiday too. Uh, and then New Year's, these are truly for me uh, the, the best two months of the year. But much more importantly and much more to the point, for today. I love All Saints Sunday because it gives us a chance to intentionally remember and commemorate the saints in our lives, and uh, I am mindful of how many of our dearest saints we have lost this past year. Um, It's been a tough year. The people we have loved and lost who, in this wonderfully comforting uh, phrase from the Christian tradition, have joined the church triumphant. (laughs) I love that. They're in the church triumphant now, just as we're in the church here. I'm talking about the saints in our families, the saints in our church, those who helped form us and shape us, those who passed on to us the Christian faith. Uh, For example, in my own family, I remember every All Saints Sunday, my Mimi and Papa, they were my very favorite relatives growing up. Not surprisingly, my kids call my parents Mimi and Papa. Uh, They were actually my great-grandparents, and they were the uh, rock for me through a sometimes tumultuous childhood. My parents divorced when I was 18 months old, and when mom needed someone to watch me, it was always Mimi and Papa. After mom remarried, we moved to Maryland for my stepfather's job, but we would drive to Texas every summer. That's how we spent every summer vacation, and every time we walked into their house, Mimi had a great big smile on her face. Uh, I'm sure you have somebody in your life like that. In fact, as I recall it, every time I walked into a room that Mimi was in, she had a big smile on her face. Every time we left, she would stand on the front porch crying and waving goodbye. Uh, My Mimi made the very best icebox banana pudding in the world. That's what she called it, the icebox banana pudding. Her ground beef hash and mashed potatoes were the comfort food for me every time we visited. Mimi and Papa taught me how to play dominoes and gin rummy. They helped nurture my soul with stories from family lore. Some of my favorite hymns are uh, today still the favorite hymns of my great-grandmother. Papa died my junior year in college. That was just before Christmas. Mimi died seven years later. She's been gone more than 20 years now, which is kind of crazy, but this morning they are absolutely both with us in spirit. On All Saints Sunday, my wife Whitney and I remember and celebrate her father, Gary, a larger-than-life professor of industrial engineering whose gift for numbers and music lives on in the two of his grandsons who live in my house. (laughs) He was diagnosed with cancer the Easter that we moved to Henrietta. Uh, the same week that he retired from teaching at the University of Michigan after 40 years. When he died a few months later, it was like a rug was pulled out from underneath our family. I, I suppose that most of us have stories like that, uh, the deaths that were so unexpected that really the world was never the same again afterwards. It's hard to believe he's been gone 10 years now, uh, but he is absolutely with us in spirit this morning. Every All Saints Sunday, I think of the friends that we've lost in the churches that we've served over the years, talking about brothers and sisters in Christ who share our spiritual journeys for a season, 
uh, including the saints that we named today at this service. I love the tradition of lighting candles in memory of those who have joined the saints in glory because it's a, a poignant visual reminder throughout the whole service that they are and always will be with us in spirit. We read 40 names of church members who have died in the past year. I know that uh, they were near and dear to you. I also know that many of us, maybe all of us, have lost others since the last time we commemorated All Saints. Uh, in the midst of an ongoing pandemic, we're especially mindful of the families uh, and loved ones of the more than 5 million people around the world who have died of COVID, uh, some of whom we named this morning. Regardless of how, when, or how old they were when they died, the saints in our lives, our Mimis, our Papas, our Garys, our Pats, our Lynns, Lindas, Judys, name, name the names, whoever you're holding dear in your heart today, they are alive in our memories and alive in our prayers on this day, especially in worship. I'm talking about the saints in our families, the saints in our church, those who helped form us and shape us, those who passed on to us the Christian faith, I believe that it is a good and joyful thing to set aside one day every year where we honor and remember them in worship. And one of the things that I love about the Methodist expression of Christianity is that we are very clear <laughs> that life here in this world is good. Life is not just a veil of tears that we're passing through. We do not consider life to be just a temporary stop on our way to heaven. We believe that God is the creator, that creation is good, that Jesus promised us life abundant in this world, and that our lives are lived most fully in relationship with one another, in our families, with our friends, in our communities of faith. The reason that it's so hard to say goodbye to the people that we love is that life on this side of the grave is so good. It's good to be with family and friends as long as we can. The price of loving somebody is having to say goodbye at some point. But it is worth the price. <laughs> it's hard, which is why I think some people struggle a little bit with All Saints Sunday. It can seem sad. To some, it's this all-too-painful reminder of what they've lost. But it's also the chance to celebrate, because there is, of course, room for both grief and celebration. I'm comforted every All Saints Sunday by the hymns that we sing. I'm comforted by the truth that life in this world is good, and especially on this day, I'm comforted by an aspect of Christian theology that we find in our reading for today which is the Old Testament lectionary text for this morning. We'll read it now. It's Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 to 9. This is a, it's a um, passage that ends up being alluded to in a great passage from Revelation that may be familiar to you as well. So some of these verses may sound familiar. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the prophet Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. 
Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Christian theology is clear that in Jesus Christ we have the promise of abundant life in this world, which is a good and joyful thing, but Christian theology also, of course, offers us uh, this important promise (laughs) about what comes next. The fancy theological word for this, uh, the so-called last things, is eschatology. And our eschatology promises us that one day we'll see our loved ones again in glory because our faith tells us that the saints in our lives have joined the communion of saints with God in eternity. The prophet Isaiah is the, the Old Testament book that our New Testament authors cite most frequently. It includes the prophecies about the birth of the Messiah, the the passages about a suffering servant. It includes passages that Jesus himself quoted. And our text this morning offers us a glimpse of what Isaiah's uh, eschatology looks like, which for Isaiah means what God will do on Judgment Day, uh, which is what Isaiah is referring to when he uses the phrase, on that day. As I mentioned, the themes in our passage uh, would later be alluded to by the author of Revelation. It's one of the most comforting texts for funerals, I think. And there are a few things to talk about in this passage. The the last things, according to Isaiah, will be like a rich feast for all peoples. God will comfort us. We will be glad and rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. This, This shroud that we read about that Isaiah refers to, it's not a burial garment but it's a garment worn by mourners and God's going to destroy that because there will be no need to mourn anymore. And some scholars believe that the sheet that Isaiah mentions may refer to the, the, the curtains in the tabernacle that hid the Holy of Holies from public view. On that day, the Lord will destroy that too because there will be no more separation between God and God's people. That's what Isaiah is saying. And in the most magnificent promise of all, Isaiah tells us that God God is going to swallow up death forever. Now, what we need to know about that is that in Isaiah's context, there was this, this Canaanite mythology that death swallows everything. That's what the polytheists all around God's people believed. And Isaiah tells us that in the end, on that day, God will turn this pagan expectation on its head by having the final word on death. The last things in Isaiah's vision includes a feast for all peoples, no longer separated from God with gladness and rejoicing, no more tears, no more mourning, because there will be no more death, praise God. In the end, in the wonderful words of the 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich, all shall be well and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. That's what we believe. For the prophet Isaiah, this was an apocalyptic vision, meaning that uh, he believed that this is what's going to take place at some undetermined future date, judgment day, on that day. And in the Christian tradition, you know, our theology of 
the last things encompasses more than just judgment day we still believe in the final judgment we still believe in the promised return of christ that's what we say in our creeds every week but we also believe that after we die we immediately enter into the eternal embrace of god which means that christian theology literally offers us the best of both worlds (laughs) as disciples of christ we we both have abundant world in this life and life eternal with god in the world to come, which means that of course, of course, we grieve the loss of the ones we love, of course. Those who have died and gone before us because life here is good. But we also have the promise of seeing them again in the church triumphant. And we have the comfort of knowing that they're already with the communion of saints in heaven and We have the great privilege of remembering and celebrating them as a community of faith, as a family of faith on this special service each year. In in the first verse of the passage we read, Isaiah says that, that on that day, God's people will gather on this mountain. And what he's referring to there is Mount Zion which in the eschatology of the prophets uh, came to be a metaphor for the final gathering of God's people, the final gathering place of all people. And our closing hymn today, which is one of my favorite hymns, it's a hymn that will someday, many, many years from now, God willing, be at my funeral. (laughs) And it refers to this theology. uh, Isaac Watts wrote the original verses, but the great American preacher and hymn writer Robert Lowry wrote both the music and the refrain, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. On All Saints Sunday, may we remember and give thanks for all the saints in our lives who helped put us on the path to get there. Thanks be to God.